Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. I am very, very sorry, but it's race week! Finally! And for real this time, like genuinely, we're not just going to do a preview and then there won't be a race at the weekend. Um, I say that now, it will probably happen. Harry and Sam, of course, both with me, sharing in my excitement. Guys, how are you? How's your week going? Oi, oi, let's have some cheeking andos and celebrate with some cracking F1 content. We are back, baby. It's so good. It's so good to be back. So good to be yeah. back. I mean, we, we haven't disappeared, but it's good to be back for an actual preview of a race. Um, of course, the Austrian Grand Prix happening this weekend, the first race of the season. Um, and we're going to be discussing our, our bold predictions, our poll one, two, three, the regular stuff you get in a preview from the LB guys. Um, we're going to be looking at Ferrari, their new spec car that they have designed. It's not going to be ready till Hungary. We're going to be discussing whether they are now at a massive disadvantage. The Mercedes livery that has launched this week, we'll be discussing that as well. And a game of F1 fill in the blank. Um, But first of all, we're going to talk about this weekend, the Austrian Grand Prix. So Red Bull bringing upgrades for the Austrian Grand Prix. Very interesting stuff. The first race of the season. Um, And we're asking whether it makes them favourites. Of course, there is threat of rain at the time of recording as well. So need to bear that in mind too. Uh, Sam, do you see Max Verstappen and Red Bull as favourites for the weekend or, or possibly the Merck guys? Given the track record of Red Bull over the last couple of seasons at this track, it's hard to say that they are not the favourites to win this. This is a bit of a bogey track. From the saying is, you know, the overheating issues have happened. We've had engines struggling. We've just had the cars that have the absolute pace we've seen everywhere else. But if there is that threat of rain and it does rain, I think that levels the playing field completely. And the Mercedes has always been strong in wet conditions. Hamilton is one of the greatest of all time in wet conditions. Bottas is no slouch in wet conditions. And Max Verstappen is blinding when it comes to a wet race. We've seen it many times before. All three of those guys can dictate a race comfortably when it is wet. I hope it's a wet race. I think it'll be a phenomenal one if it is. What a way to come back with a drenched Austrian circuit. That was hard to say when you've got a lisp. Um, honestly, if it's dry, though, I think Red Bull are the favourites. Just by a snitch, you know, Mercedes have got their DAS system, um, which is going to help down the straights that little bit, which I think will be positive. If they can get out in front, they won't overheat as easily. And there's every chance they get out in front. Uh, overtaking has never been tough from the Mercedes. You know, once they do get along the side, it tends to be pretty simple for them. It's just the following. And you can follow around Austria because there aren't lots of long corners. So I think Verstappen's got a real chance of taking the win. I don't think Alba will be there, unfortunately. I think that he will be playing second fiddle to Verstappen. But I'm hoping we see an absolute mega battle for that first race back. I think Red Bull do just have the edge. If it's wet, though, I think it is anyone's game. Bring on the first race of the season. Yeah, I think we're at the stage where we'll literally just take whatever we get at this point. If it, we'll take yeah. a, a classic Spanish Grand Prix at this point. If it's racing, it's racing. Um, Harry, what do you reckon? Red Bull as favourites? Uh, I don't. 
I don't want to write them down as favourites because I just we saw how good Mercedes were in testing and they too are bringing a, a raft of updates for this race. Um, but Red Bull, I think Red Bull will be there. They've the Honda's been given a little bit more power as well, which will help them on the straights in Austria. Um, and as Sam said, honestly, we've waited so long, but there must. I'm not a religious person, but there's someone up there looking out over us to give us a little bit of rain for the first race of the season. That's that's a lot of spice. That's a lot of spice. Um, so yeah, I think if we have that rain, then it, as Sam says, it levels the playing field out and. Basically, it doesn't matter what upgrades you bring. Then it's all about whether you can keep it on the on the road um, in in the wet conditions. So, yeah, I, I'm not going to write them down as favourites, but I, they're going to be up there, Verstappen especially. So, um, yeah, it's going to be so interesting. This is so exciting. Actual F1, F1. <laughs> I can't wait. Not that. I can't wait for a downpour on Sunday, and then the race is cancelled. Right, that would be <laughs> yeah. 2020. It would be almost... No, Ben, why have you said that? No, don't do it. I'm trying Please. to jinx it, like opposite jinx it. <laughs> no, no, don't don't do it. We have a race now. Yeah, fingers crossed. Um, yeah, Red Bull have got a great chance here. Um, they look pretty good in pre-season testing. Uh, you know, I know that was about 12 centuries ago, but they look pretty good there. Um, as did Mercedes, it has to be said, and like, r- rightly say, Harry, they both bring significant upgrades here. So um, it'll be interesting to see. It's very difficult to predict when it comes to the first race of the season because we don't really know where everyone is. And that's that's on a standard year where there's only uh, only a few weeks between pre-season testing in Barcelona and the first race in Australia. This time out, we've got literally months between pre-season testing and that first race. And whilst a lot of that was spent in um, relative lockdown, you know, most of the, you know, the teams weren't allowed to work on their cars. It's only been the last few weeks where they've been able to pick it back up again. That's still more time than usual. And it's something we've raised quite a few times is that these, these smart people, they're they're not going to be just, you know, sitting down, not doing anything for months on end. They'll be thinking a way that you, you can't put a, you can't put a ban on people's brains working, I'm afraid. So um, I- I'm sure they'll be generating ideas how to counteract this uh, this system that Mercedes have got and just looking to improve their car. As you say, Verstappen... I mean, very... Sorry, go on. I was going to say, in terms of putting a ban on people's brains working, someone's managed to do that online for 25 years. Um, honestly, this is just like having no... no... T- testing at the start of the season, isn't it? For lots of people call, you know, for less testing, less time, one week, a couple of days, no time at all, just turn up to Australia with your package and see if you're able to make it through. This is pretty much what it's like now. We've had such a long gap between that testing and the first race of the season that any, literally anything can happen. You do not know what is going to occur on that track on Sunday. It's so exciting. Yeah, and quite a few teams have had the opportunity to get out on track, um, but not necessarily in the in their 2020 cars. I know, you know the likes of, of Renault and Ferrari have, have gone out there in older spec cars and um, more as a fine-tuning exercise rather than um, getting to know the car itself. So, yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how the teams counteract that. And the threat of rain could well make it an interesting one. I'm, I'm interested to see how Verstappen gets on two consecutive wins in Austria. So clearly likes the circuit and a great recovery last year. Um, how, how will he fare? especially if it's in the wet, um, and how will Albon fare? Theoretically, Red Bull are only going up 
in terms of the momentum. Um, the Honda Red Bull partnership, whilst it has developed a long way, um, and the Honda engine is in a much, much better position now than it was a few years ago, there's still room to improve there. There's still room to integrate with the Red Bull team. So we should see a continual improvement there. Um, and from the driver's perspective too, Max Verstappen was much, much better in 2019, but I still don't believe he's the complete final product. I think he'll improve a little bit more still, or at least he has the room to grow. Um, and Alex Albon, of course, only spent half the season in the team. So theoretically, he will get better and better as the races go on too. Um, Red Bull have always struggled. I'm not quite sure how this is going to work, but they've always struggled with the first half of the season. They generally do much better in terms of developing a car rather than rather than the car they have to start with. Um, generally speaking, they are much more competitive in the second half of the season than the first half of the season. Now, of course, the first half of the season hasn't existed in 2020. Does that mean that they're going to be <laughs> up to pace straight away? Or, or does it mean that they will be in the same position as they would have been back in Australia and they won't have the time to recover like they usually do? It's fast, I'm not sure which way it will go. Um, I think a lot of our questions will be answered this weekend, though. Something that people need to get their eyes focused on as well is, of course, the pink Mercedes. If they are a replica of last year's Mercedes, that racing point car, and they have got some serious pace under their belt, I wouldn't be surprised if we see them possibly dueling it up with those front guys. I and mean, if a Mercedes, proper Mercedes, A's, struggles or a Red Bull takes a spin or has a slight off, they could be there to pounce. There is a real threat that the midfield, because of this lack of development, because we don't understand where the order is, there could be a mix-up in this first couple of weekends. And if there is rain as well, it really could throw a spang in the work. So I think the main guys still are the favourites, but I think it's a lot closer than what people actually think. Yeah, I. It, it's really tough to tell. Like I say, it's really tough to tell where all the teams are. Um, I mean, Harry, in terms of Ferrari, do you see them being alongside Red Bull and Mercedes this weekend? Uh, all the signs are pointing towards no, um, but I still wouldn't rule them out. Uh, I think even without the rain, this is going to be such a strange first race. Um, unlike we've one we've, we've maybe ever seen. Um, it's just going to be such a weird one. So I'm, I'm not, I'm refusing to rule Ferrari out. Maybe on pure pace, they may, they may not, they're probably not going to be there, but um, I wouldn't rule them out to be in contention for at least the podium uh, come, come race day. Yeah. And I think the car itself, they're more concerned about aerodynamically rather than in terms of pure power. And Austria is a circuit where the power unit does come into play. Obviously, you've got the massive long straight to begin the lap, not including turn two as an actual turn. That doesn't count. Um, and then the back straight as well. Um, really, you're not doing any cornering for the first half of the lap. Uh, so th there's a lot on the on the power unit. And Ferrari, we know, even though they, they weren't quite as strong uh, after the Italy-Belgium leg of last year, they, they still did have a power unit advantage over the others. So if they've made any progression there, or even if they haven't, even if they're in the same position as they were last year, that they should they should be a threat on the straights. And I know Leclerc didn't win the race last year, but he was competitive there. I have to disagree. Um, I think that Ferrari will end up going backwards in Austria. I think both Mercedes and Red Bull witnessed just the you know the absolute power that Ferrari had in that engine in terms of straight line speed. And out of all the development areas that both those teams are going to go for, it will be straight line speed. We've seen Mercedes try everything 
developing of the DAS system being part of that to ensure that straight line speed, drag, everything is going the right way for them to gain those extra few MPH going down the straight. Red Bull were doing the same with their Honda and he's trying to maximize that speed. And then we just saw how much time was gained by the likes of Mercedes in the slower sections of Belgium. They gained almost a full half to three quarters of a second in one lap going through the slower corners of Belgium over Ferrari. And we know Ferrari's error hasn't really improved from what reports are saying, from what reports are coming out of, um, of, of Italy. It's not looking positive for them. I really do think they are going to come in as the third best team. And I need to rapidly improve to try and stay anywhere competitive with those two absolute beasts in the form of Red Bull and Mercedes. But good news, Ferrari. With the help of AWS's new graphics, you'll know exactly how slow you are in the low-speed corners. <laughs> I can't wait to see Ferrari 19th and 20th in low-speed corners. Wow. God. And Williams in, first in, before, in before Charles Leclerc <laughs> win. Well, if he does it, I'm not going to say I'll do anything stupid because last time I said that, I had to do it. Yeah, that is true. Exactly. That is true. Um, let's move on to some bold predictions. First time we've done bold predictions in a long time. Um, Harry, you have the honour on this one. You get the first bold prediction of 2020 for real this time. For real. For Not real. the one The one we did in Australia. Uh, my My bold <laughs> prediction for round one of this championship is that Nicholas Latifi will score a point on his debut. Oh my god. Wow. Shave my head. Shave it. Big. Yeah, it's a big, bold start. Big, that big. is a bold start. That's that's a Bruce Willis start that. <laughs> Crikey. Crikey on a stick. Exactly. I mean the good news is because Harry said it, there's no chance that it will come true. Yeah, he's never <laughs> got one right. He's never got one right. No, All right, so it's true, folks. How do you counteract that, Sam? What have you got? I, I don't think I could be as bold as that. because I mean, I could, I could say the whole field could drive into each other and no one makes it past that one, but that is just even beyond silly for me. It's not Belgium 98. Um, I'm going to go with Lance Stroll will finish in the top seven. I mean, there's a good chance that will happen. Um, I, I know Lance Stroll hasn't had too many top seven finishes in the last few years, but if that race is qualified, qualified. Oh, if Lol. It, yeah, that would have been the boldest <laughs> prediction out there. But yeah, um, I think there's every chance that happens. Depends how depends how good the racing point is. If it, if it looks as if it's as good as it looked in preseason testing, wouldn't surprise me. I uh, yeah, I think he'll be up there. I think I think he'll beat Perez, and I think he'll finish in the top seven. All right. And I'll, I'll add mine in the mix. Haas. Both cars will score points. It's a lie. Ooh. It's a lie. That's, that's pretty bold. Yep, yeah, I, mean, I, reckon that, I reckon I'm the least bold of the three of us. Haas are pretty useless at having double point, score, point scoring finishes. Exactly. Don't lose a will, Matt. That's why it's bold. Um, I mean, they, they generally do very, very well at the first race of the season. I understand that's in Australia usually. Um, but it might might well extend to Austria as well. And I think Roman Grosjean got a fourth place there a couple of years ago. So, yeah, I'll, I'll say Grosjean and Magnussen both in the points, uh, probably first and second. <laughs> Blimey. That prediction just got more and more bold as it went on. All right, I mean, the last bit was a lie. They'll, they'll do well if they don't have to make a pit stop. Yeah. If that's their tactic. 
yeah, just get disqualified on the last lap. But technically, they finish in the top ten. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, I've already given away my first and second place, obviously, but we will go through pole <laughs> one, two, three. Harry, who have you got? Uh, pole, I'm going to go for Mr. Lewis Hamilton. Uh, win is going to be Maxi Verstapp. Second place, Lewis Hamilton. Third place, um, Charles Leclerc. All right, three teams on the podium in Harry's prediction. Sam, what about yours? Mine is pretty similar, unfortunately, so it might be a little dull. Uh, pole position, old Louis Ham. Um, top spot, though, will go to Max Verstappen. Second place, Lewis Hamilton. But third, Alexander Albon. Ooh, debut podium for Albon. Debut. Mm. Okay, um, well, unfortunately... Everyone is now going to head to the comments and say we are incredibly biased towards the Brits because I've got Lewis Hamilton on pole as well. Um, I've got Max Verstappen taking the win, though. Uh, I've got Verstappen winning. I've got big Walter Bottas in second uh, and Lewis Hamilton in third. So two Mercs on the podium, but neither beating Verstappen. It's good to know that we're all slightly different, but at the same time, the most interesting parts of the predictions are exactly the same. True. But, I mean, Harry, your your solution is that we've got three teams on the podium. Sam, Albon's going to get his first podium. My one's perhaps a bit more dull. But, yeah. There's some no shock there, there, then. No, really no shock whatsoever <laughs> in that. Sorry. Oh, I, well, you know what? Bring on to. Austria. Oh, yeah. <laughs> forgot about that. Harsing around over there. I'm just pumped. Honestly, Latifi could be the only car that finishes. And that's because everyone decides not to race. I don't care. We've got racing. We have got racing indeed. Moving on to Ferrari. And of course, Ferrari are bringing a brand new spec car to this very first race in Austria. Psych, they're Ferrari. They're not. Um, <laughs> we ready for race three in Hungary. Um, so they're going to be racing with their Australia spec for the first two Grand Prix of the season. Um, and then a vastly improved aerodynamically focused car, or at least that's probably what they are hoping for, uh, will be ready for that third race at the Hungara ring. Um, Harry, considering this championship is looking like it's going to be shorter than the average one, um, do you think two races with this probably weaker car is going to cost them? Uh, It's possible. It's definitely possible that this could really hurt them in in a short championship, that which which we're likely to have. But um, I think... Their deficit is obviously in the aero department and at Austria, as we've already mentioned, it's more powered engine power unit dependent. So in that sense, maybe they won't lose out as much as they would at, say, going to Hungary twice for the first two races. Um, so it makes sense for them to, to, to do that and bring, bring the aero bits to, to Hungary. Um, but yeah, look, they're, they're, they're not going to be, it's not what you want, is it, if you've, you you turn up to the first race and you have two main competitors have brought upgrades from the cars they had at testing back in February and yours is exactly the same. And it's a point we touched on uh, maybe a month or so ago with obviously the COVID-19 restrictions. Italy, i.e. then Ferrari, have been hit really hard and they've perhaps not been able to go into the factory as much and or, or have been limited what they can do compared to the other teams based over in the UK, such as Mercedes and Red Bull. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to limit them. I don't think they're going to be, you know, languishing down in the midfield. But I, 
you know, the, it's damage damage limitation for them, that's for sure. Yeah, Sam, do you think they can claw enough points in these two races that they won't feel the full effect of uh, not having that new car straight away? You know what? I genuinely feel really quite sorry for Ferrari and Alpha Tauri, two of the Italian-based teams. And yes, the entire world has been struck by Danny Rona, which is horrible. But in terms of motorsport and Formula One specifically, those two teams have been by far hit the worst. And unfortunately, they are paying the price for it. Their car is going to be weaker, I believe, when they come to Austria. It depends how short this championship is. The odd thing is, I think the FIA have said that there is every chance that more races could be added. You know, this isn't a definite end of amount of races. You know, if it make, if we make it fit, it will happen. So it depends. If we don't add any more races, they could feel the effects because it's a very short championship in comparison to normal. But if we get a couple more races on, you know, right at the end, maybe in a track that suits them, you know, Italy is now Roma free. So maybe a Monza turns up right at the end. We don't know. There's every chance they could dominate and claw those points back. Seasons are across multiple races for a reason and not just one event things because of this exact scenario where one team may struggle at one event, they may dominate at another. There's every chance Ferrari could claw two or three one-twos across this season and it might be fantastic. That's what's great about racing. You can't predict it, but no doubt going into Austria, it's going to be tough for them. I think like you said, they're going to do well in terms of beating the midfield. I don't think they'll be that far down, but I think they're going to struggle to match the performances of Hamilton, Bottas, and Verstappen in those newly updated Mercedes and Red Bulls. Yeah, and I, I think it's easy to say that it's only two races, um, but ultimately there's every chance that is a seventh of the championship or an eighth of the championship, and those points will add up, um, and it is damage limitation for them. If they can, if they can come out of these two races in Austria with four points finishes, no retirements. Um, and they're all in the top six, then I think that's that's okay. They they can move on, and it isn't isn't as damaging as it could have been. Um, who knows? Maybe maybe they will be very quick due to their power unit. Um, I have my doubts in that area for sure. Um, I think they've they've had significantly less time to do work, but because of what has happened with these restrictions. But I think it is the right move in, in terms of what they've done. They established very early that their car was not right. And even with development, it, it, it's not going to come good. So I completely understand why they've gone down this path. And um, it, it, just look at Haas, what happened with them last season. I'm not saying they would have gone down exactly the same path. Um, but that car was so bad and they ended up toying around with a new car. They had both cars running at one point. Um, and they just couldn't get a solution going. Whereas Ferrari here have at least been definitive. They, they've said, OK, this first car, we've got to have it for the first two races because this new spec isn't going to be ready in time. So be it. We'll deal with it then. And then we're introducing this new spec um, at, at the third race. Um, so I think that they have gone for a reset. And I think it is the right decision in, in that respect. Um, and, you know, five five months off isn't ideal after the preseason testing that we had back in February, but I'm sure it wasn't completely wasted. Um, you know, I'm sure the the brains of those uh, of those mechanics at Ferrari would have been ticking over, thinking of ideas on how to fundamentally change and, and develop this car. Um, so yeah, I mean, those ideas would have been generated, and I, I think they'll uh, they've got every chance of coming up with something much much better. It does prove the point that many were saying after preseason testing 
we weren't sure at the time were they sandbagging were they actually much quicker than they were letting on and I, I think this confirms that they weren't sandbagging and there are there were legitimate pace concerns um interested to know what you think harry do you think it was the right decision for them to essentially go into a complete reset mode um i it's difficult because they they well they obviously have seen something in testing that 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 um that suggested that they need to do it but um we've not even had one race yet you might think they'd at least try out a race one and race two before they go into reset mode but um but we don't have the data or whatever so they've decided it's the, it's it's the right thing to do um yeah i guess, i guess we'll find out very soon but it is it is quite a drastic decision to take considering considering we've not actually had one racing lap of 2020 yet yeah absolutely um and i know we're speaking about these updates as if they will definitely work when in reality it's it's far from a definite um sam do you have the confidence in ferrari that these these updates are actually going to be good. What what happens in race three if it turns out they've made they've made no gains? Then it's a write off, and I feel bloody sorry for for Sebastian Vettel in his last championship in that red suit. Charles Leclerc's got many in front of him, right? I don't feel an ounce of sorrow for Charles Leclerc. He will have many a chance to win a race, to win a championship, to get on pole, to fight at the front. This might be Sebastian Vettel's last ever chance to fight at the front, to win a race, get a pole position. And that's the person I feel the most sorry for. If they turn up at Hungary, excited by these new aerodynamic updates, and they just fall flat. They don't work. And they're going around a track which they have notoriously struggled at over the last few years. It's going to be so, so difficult to watch. Because I am I am advocating for Vettel to go out guns blazing. He's going to destroy it. He's going to you know put pedal to the metal and come out fighting. If he hasn't been given the car to do that, then his career at a top team could just crumble into nothing. And I will be honestly devastated because he's one of the greatest drivers we've seen, especially in our time of watching the sport. And it'll be horrible to watch. So Ferrari can bounce back. Ferrari can have a bad season. We've seen Ferrari have bad seasons. But for that driver, this will be the final one. So I'll be really gutted if they can't have a season where they're at least challenging for podiums and victories. I mean, no doubt it is going to be a nerve-wracking qualifying session in Hungary. That that first lap that, that Leclerc and Vettel do in Hungary qualifying is just going to be, please, please, can we be on the pace? Because at that point, if they are, like like we say, off the pace, then they've got real troubles for the rest of the season. They're kind of relying on that car being good enough to compete with Red Bull and Mercedes. Um, we'll have to wait and see. I think the, the proof will be in the pudding. We'll, we'll have to see how... How well they fare. Um, I mean, moving on to to Mercedes, um, they debuted a new livery, completely unexpected at the beginning of this week. Um, a full uh, black livery, um, of, of course, in, in line with um, what has been happening in the world recently in this fight against racism. Um, absolutely brilliant what they've done. A, a wonderful initiative. Sam, what are your thoughts on the new livery? Not from necessarily how good it looks, although personally I think it looks incredible, um, but the initiative that Mercedes are going towards here. Right, so 
Lewis Hamilton during this period of Black Lives Matter has been the perfect advocate for our sport. I couldn't have asked any more from a world champion to be patriotic, a British person, and a member of that black community, a member of you know, a person of colour, someone who is a minority in a very white male-dominated sport. And I think he's encouraged this. I think his actions have sparked this movement from Mercedes. And good on them. Well done then for turning around and reacting to it. Well done then for putting their image on the line for a sport that has notoriously been led by someone who is deemed as ignorant, backstabbing, racist, two-faced Bernie Eccleston, that man who has come out and said some atrocious things over his time around Formula One. And they've gone, we're not standing for it. We're going to put our image, our name, and our, our entire championship selection on the line here and show you that Black lives matter. Equality matters, especially in our sport. Every single day it matters, and it matters here as well, on the fastest tracks in the world. And I take my hat off to them. I hope more teams follow their lead. It is fantastic. The car also looks bloody gorgeous. That is a little top side. It's much nicer than the car they previously had, and the red doesn't even look that bad on it. But I, I literally couldn't be happier. Black race suits as well. New look helmets for Hamilton and Bottas. I'm excited to see it out on track. It's a fantastic, sorry, I had a frog in my throat there. It's a fantastic, fantastic message for both fans, young and old. And I'm really hoping that it opens some eyes. It opens some doors for some people who are in the, the, the black community to step into the sport. And it brings about a more equal and diverse sport that we watch every single year. So good on them. I love it. More of it. Brilliant stuff. Ari, what, what are your thoughts on uh, on this livery and the the initiative that comes with it? Also, how sorry do you feel for Codemasters employees? Oh, God, poor Codemasters employees. And then McLaren today as well re revealed a slightly outdated one too. I mean, they're just going to jump off a cliff. Um, the uh, echo, completely echo Sam's thoughts on this. The, the messaging behind it, the the action that the Mercedes are going, have, have said they're going to take to... Um, to promote more diversity, just uh, and and actions against all discrimination, which is which is so good for for the, for, for such a massive company to make that stand. Um, yeah, it's it's such a good thing to see, and I think as a whole, as F one as a whole, with this re, we races one initiative and the, all the teams getting involved and Chase Carey donating a, was it a million a million dollars or something to to kickstart it. I think F1 as a whole has really and been galvanised by this, but by, by Hamilton, as Sam said, by and large, it's been it's been Hamilton's been the driving force in this. Um, yeah, and it's fantastic to see. And the bonus, as Sam has already pointed out, and you have been, is that it looks bloody amazing. Like that's a win-win. So, and the red doesn't look crap, which yeah, that is win-win times two. I genuinely think it is my favorite livery just from an aesthetic point of view um for about three years um Dang. I, but my my favorite since the Toro Rosso made its uh lighter blue debut nice just for just for that sake um but yes actually focusing on the initiative itself and Mercedes are, are leading the way and fair play to them for, for going ahead with this. Fair play to Lewis Hamilton, who, as you rightfully say, has been at the forefront of this all the way throughout. Um, and he's been a, a great representative for the sport itself 
and has done a lot of and has already done a lot of great. And I understand that this came about as a result of a phone call um, from Lewis Hamilton himself. So uh, really brilliant that he's um, he's gone ahead and made 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 this happen. And credit to Mercedes for letting it happen, and credit to the sponsors as well who um, who appear on the Mercedes car who must have also complied with it. Um, so yeah, fair play to all of them. Um, and it's, I, I think a lot of people who don't know what they're talking about um, will have immediately said this is a marketing stunt, um, nothing more than that. Um, and the fact that they are introducing this as part of a wider initiative just first of all proves that's completely incorrect. And they've established that within the Mercedes company, there is a small percentage of uh, of female representation and a, a small percentage of, of those who are who are black and Asian and of minority. Um, I think it's about 3% or something like that. And um, and they're leading a program to, to really address this. And it, it's great to see such a leading name in one of the most popular sports in the world, not only being at the forefront of this, but understanding that their previous actions are, are not good enough and learning from the past. And, and that's something that we should all be doing, not just companies, but as people just learning why we are in the situation we're in now uh, and understanding that it should not carry on like this. And Mercedes are holding their hands up and saying, these statistics here, you know, these aren't good enough. Um, and that's why they're introducing it. So a lot of credit goes to them and, you know, for, for those for those who are saying pretty disgusting things about this, and I was very disheartened to see, I think it was on Autosport when they sort of, uh, not broke the news about this, but they put out their news story. Um, I think maybe 10% of the comments were positive, um, which was just such a negative thing to see and almost in itself proves why something like this is necessary. Um, and some of the points against this are just completely deluded, um, you know, my favourite one, without a doubt, is that F1 shouldn't get involved in politics. I have some news for you. F1 has always been included in politics. This isn't a new thing. Um, that's it, Honestly, it's a laughable thing that people are saying about this. And um, I've seen people say, does this make the Williams livery racist? Uh, it's just completely ridiculous how people can come out with this rubbish. Um you know, something being for diversity does not mean something else is immediately against it. Um, this is a great initiative. Well done to Mercedes. Um, and, you know, to, to anyone who, who thinks that this is um, this is counterproductive, just do some reading. Do, try and gain a perspective. This is this is a really great initiative. Don't be an idiot, basically. Pretty much. Not to not to polarize anyone out there, but but don't be an idiot. No, no, no. polarize. If you say something like that, <laughs> you're a, you're an idiot. Don't listen to this podcast. Don't talk to us on any social media. Go away. But yeah. thanks for listening. <laughs> Jeez. Ah. Anyway, um, moving on to our final topic of today, something a little bit more lighthearted. Um, we're going to be playing F1. Fill in the blank. It's F1 filling the blank. Yes. We're going to take three <laughs> sentences. Um, of course, there is going to be a blank included in each. 
um, and we're going to fill it in with what we think is correct. So, Sam, I'll kick off with you. There will be blank podiums for teams outside of the top three this season. Hmm. Now, I'm a man that enjoys excitement. I'm a man that enjoys feeling good. And I'm a man that enjoys having a fun life. So I'm going to go with six podiums for teams outside of the classic top three. Blimey. I mean, I haven't got any stats on this, but I'm assuming that would be like the previous five seasons combined or something close to that. It's going to happen, folks. It's going to be one crazy ride. Um, Wow. Out of interest, Sam, who's getting them? Uh, There'll be a couple for Racing Point. I think McLaren will pick up a couple as well. And I think we might see the odd one drop for either Renault or AlphaTauri. Interesting. Harry, what number have you got here? There will be blank podiums for teams outside the top three. I thought I was, going to, I was being bold because I was saying four. And I was like, no one's going to say more than four. <laughs> then you remembered Sam's on this podcast. Yeah, yeah, then I remembered Sam's on Yeah, I reckon, I reckon about four. It's going, to be, it's going to be an interesting, unusual season. And that's that's perfect picking grounds for a midfield team to, to pick up some podiums. So four for me. Uh, and which teams? Uh, um, Racing Point, Maka and... Uh, uh, maybe Renault. Maybe Williams. <laughs> maybe <laughs> Nicholas. Maybe Giga Kubica. Who Giga. knows? Who knows? Um, I'm saying there will be three podiums for teams outside the top three. Um, I'm going to go with two for Perez and one for Lando Norris. Love that. Very interesting. I really, When you said three then, for some reason, I, I don't know if you guys imagine this or think of it often like I do. Um, and this is really going off on a tangent. Sorry, Ben. But you know BBC Three, when it used to be on the telly, they had that weird slug thing that would slide into the advert and go, three! That is what I thought of there. No, it's not that is. I've been compared to a slug and it won't be the last. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very niche reference we got there. Sorry for niche British reference. We have, get it, of, we have a lot of American listeners, I love you know. They're not going to understand that. Folks, if you're unsure of it, get onto YouTube or come over onto Twitter and ask and I'll show you. <laughs> Good stuff. I'm sure there'll be massive demand for that. Um, and moving on to our second fill in the blank. Harry, I'll kick off with you on this one. Sebastian Vettel will finish blank this season. Third. Ooh. And I mean, I have no logical reasoning behind it other than I think Sebi Vett is going to be on one this year. And when you say third, does that mean he's beating his teammate? Yes. <laughs> nice. I had to think about who I'm gonna, who who had put my top two then, but yes, I think so. Fair only enough. only very only very just they're going to be very very close. Oh, so I mean I mean imagine third place. There'll be a few wins in there for Vettel then. Yeah, might be. That might be a couple. You never know. Never know. Um, you never know. Sam, you've been fairly vocal about thinking Vettel will be will be on one this year, um, and he'll be motivated to succeed. Where do you think that will lead him to finish? I'm annoyed that Harry said that because I was going to say third, and I was going to say he's going to be on a bit of an Alonso dragging that car up as well. He's literally read my mind, which makes me quite unwell, if I'm totally honest. But but yeah, 
I think Vettel, even with a struggling Ferrari, is going to be brutally good. I think he's going to be so motivated, pure fire behind the visor in that Ferrari. I can't wait for it. I'm so excited to see what he can do. And I think it's going to pay off. I think third place. Um, I've actually got the correct answer. I, I know exactly where he'll finish. I can't wait for this. Go on, then. He's going to finish fifth. Oh, he's number five. Well, that's literally the only reason. Everyone will finish according to their number. Sorry, Owen. Hamilton's going to finish 44. 44. Right, okay. Yeah, he'll still beat his teammate. Does that mean (laughs) Daniel Ricciardo is technically going to win the championship? Yes. It also means Nicholas Latifi is having a very good debut season as number six. (laughs) Honestly, Um, I'm not mad. No. No. Um, surprisingly, that's not my logic for thinking Vettel will actually finish fifth. Um, I, I think it will be more down to the car than him. Um, I actually think Leclerc will finish fourth, so I don't think either Ferrari will be in the top three. Um, I think I think he'll beat Albon, um, but I think mostly due to the car disadvantage, I think Verstappen, Bottas and Hamilton will be a little bit too much for him. Um, and theoretically, if Leclerc can beat Vettel in year one of, at Ferrari, his debut year, um, I'm going to back him to do it in his second year with a bit more experience. So, yeah, I'm going to stay fifth place. But um, this is something we put out on Twitter just before we went live. So, um, to read a few of your comments out, uh, Mike F1 Fanatics thinks he will finish first, although he did say, um, don't wake me up, I'm dreaming. Um, Daniel fin- reckons he'll finish sixth, so even more negative than me. Um, and a very interesting one. John T, our good friend John T, thinks that Sebastian Vettel will finish his career this season. <laughs> it's savage. Absolutely savage from John T. <laughs> Thank you for that, John T. Um, so, yeah, a few of your thoughts going in there. Um, and the final one for this week. Haas will announce... This is a double blank, by the way. It's a, it's a big time double blank. Haas will announce... <laughs> Blank and blank as their 2021 drivers. Sam, who are you filling in there? Um, this one is actually the hardest one, I think. Um, now, I've got one definitely. So, Haas will announce Schumacher. Which one? Blimey. <laughs> Ralph. Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> Mick, Mick Schumacher, and Delatraz as its lineup for wow. 2021. Complete rookie lineup. 100%. They need it. Big Groge, you can come round my house and have dinner. I'll look after you, but you just can't be in that car next season. He's a great cook. He doesn't need your meals. I, you know, okay, fine. But I, I can um, put the baguette in the oven. That's a weird euphemism. Move on. Putting Grosjean in the oven for <laughs> Romy G. I'm sorry, it's not okay, not okay. Um, well, that's that's very bold. Delatraz and Schumacher racing for Haas in 2021. Harry, do you concur? Have you got different names? Uh, Haas are gonna um sign Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen. <laughs> no, <laughs> um, I know, I do think they're gonna keep Magnussen. Uh, but in that second seat, they are going to put. Um, oh my god, I've forgotten who I was going to say. Uh, is it Giga Kubica? Is it? Oh yeah, it was Giga Kubica. 
No, I was, um, it, they're going to put uh, um, Gasly. That's <laughs> his name. <laughs> That's his name. We were only talking about him the other day, uh, like an hour ago. Oh, um, Pierre. Yeah, a Pierre stunt. <laughs> it's a bold one, though. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. K-Mag will stay, box office will stay, and he'll be joined by Gasly looking for a way out of his, his the Red Bull family. You heard it here first. I like that. That's an interesting storyline. Yeah, I like yeah. it too. Um, I think Haas, the most un-American American team ever, will continue to be the most un-American American <laughs> team ever and make the most dull selection possible. They will stick with Roman Grosjean and Kevin Magnussen for 2021. <laughs> I have no faith that they have what it takes to actually go out there and make a bold move and go and get someone else. I think they're just completely stuck in their ways, and they're and they're too they're too risk averse. Um, you know, Roman Grosjean and, as Roman Grosjean's been there after a few bad years. Kevin Magnussen hasn't been brilliant um, in that time, and he's still around. Um, and quite frankly, I, I don't think their reserve drivers are, are any better than them, really. Um, Fittipaldi, I don't think he's good enough, unfortunately. Um, and and Delatraz, three years in F2, has no wins and his best finish is eighth. Um, he's, he's, he's had a solid F2 career, but nothing that makes me think he will go in there and do anything different to Grosjean and Magnussen. Um, the only way I can see someone coming into that team um, a, a young driver coming into that team is in, through the Ferrari Driver Academy. And obviously Schumacher's a name that's already been mentioned by you, Sam. And um, if, if two drivers from the Ferrari Driver Academy do go up to F1, theoretically one of them will go to Alpha and the other one might well go to Haas. So, um, and they have five drivers in F2 at the moment. They've got Giuliano Alesi, who I have to be honest, I don't think he'll make it. Um, and Callum Eilat, who I'm a little on the fence with, but Mick Schumacher, Marcus Armstrong, Robert Schwartzman, I think they all have F1 potential. So if they feel that two of them need to make the jump at the end of 2020, then I guess one of them does go to Haas. But I, I think um, I think Schumacher is the only one that will go up and he'll go to Alpha. Well, that's really interesting. Again, if you have any thoughts on that, Get over to our Twitter at Old Breaking. Let us know who's going to be the lineup for the uh, the half twenty twenty one team. Yeah, we are always interested in hearing what you have to say. Um, but yeah, that unless ends. it's all lives matter, then I don't care. Yeah, that, just don't, just don't bother. You, you won't get you won't get a response. Put it that way. <laughs> all right. Um, so that has ended. F one. Fill the blank. Thank you for playing F1. That <laughs> um, might be my favourite one yet. It's good. Yeah, it's it's one of the better ones. It beats um, Guess the Year anyway. That's terrible. That was a terrible <laughs> one. But anyway, I mean, stay tuned. Come back again next week. We'll have another awful jingle ready for another awful game. If that's not a good pitch yeah. to tune in, I don't know what is. Um, but for this week... I think that's enough. And the next time you'll hear our voices will be after a Grand Prix has happened. We can't wait. Sam, please do us the honours uh, and get us out of here. Awful jingles, awful games, awful comedy. But next week, another race preview. You've got to come back and see it, folks, because it could just be more silly than this week. In the meantime, I've been Sam to say, 
I've been Ben Hawking. And I've been Tony Trimmer. And <laughs> <laughs> remember, keep breaking late. <laughs>